you'd grab your Bible and turn in it to James uh, chapter 3. Now, um, one of the most, I think, uncomfortable things in life for most of us, I would say, is when we experience conflict with another person, right? You probably um, have experienced that before, right? It's, it's when you, you, know, you don't see eye to eye with someone. Uh, you have some kind of a, of a disagreement and Maybe there's even, you know, it escalates and there's, there's a fight even and, you know, perhaps it is even led before to some kind of hatred um, or, or bitterness, right? Whenever we experience something like that, it's always, it's always painful, isn't it? It can be so awkward and confusing and, and disappointing as well. Now, on one hand, you know, trying, you know, desperately to avoid all relational conflict and discord in this life, it's, I mean, that's a losing battle, right? Try, trying to just stay away from it as best as possible and, and, and never going near any, any of it because the truth is, you know, on this side of eternity and, you know, in a, in a sin-tainted world in which we all live, we will come up against it from time to time, right? It's, it's unavoidable. That being said, let's be honest here, sometimes we ourselves cause or contribute to conflict because of our own spiritual immaturity. Have you ever sensed that before in your life where, you know, you pressed too hard and, and, and you expressed anger and it was unrighteous anger or you carved somebody up or you were mean or cruel? I mean, we can play a part in this sometimes or... Or we can make a problem worse. And it comes down to the fact that it's because we, we don't really know how to handle ourselves properly, right? We don't, we don't know how to handle our, our own sinful hearts and our own flesh that just wants to sin and wants to lash out and wants to cause problems. It's those, those, those sinful attitudes that we have and, and, our, and our words, right? We just talked last week about the tongue and how the tongue is a fire and how it can cause and wreak havoc our actions, I mean, these are all things that we just don't quite handle well, right? Sometimes we're the problem when there's conflict and maybe, um, maybe we don't even really realize it. It's, you know, it's amazing how quick we are in our minds and in our hearts to automatically assume that, that person's in the wrong, right? But maybe the reality is we are and we just can't quite see it. Okay, well, the last section of James chapter three here shows us that peace with each other. Now, I'm just kind of gonna go ahead and assume that that's what we all want in our relationships here, right? We want peace, we want harmony, we want to you know, get along and all of that, okay? Well, peace with each other comes as you and I exercise godly wisdom in our relationships. Right? There's an inextricable link and connection between wisdom that translates into peace, right? That's what the Bible makes really clear here, that if you and I are truly wise, then the evidence of that wisdom will be that we foster peaceful relationships with others, okay? This is true. The more truly wise we become, the more truly peaceful our relationships and our communities become, where that, that self you know, self-centered and, and combative and tumultuous atmosphere that our relationships and, 
And let's be honest, churches too can become, all of that gets radically transformed as we grow in wisdom and seek to apply that in various contexts. All right, so where are we at with this? Where, where are you at? Are you, are you truly wise? Do you see you know, the, the fruit of biblical peace in your relationships? I don't mean like ignoring problems and pretending they're not there and sweeping things under the rug and calling that peace. I mean true biblical peace. Are you a biblical peacemaker? Are, are, are we working towards that? You know, in, in our homes, I think of our, our marriages. I think of as, you know, as parents and with our, with our kids, are we seeking to be at peace with them and seeking to, you know, especially when our kids are young, it's hard, you know, forging peace between them, right? Are we doing this in our, with our neighbors and our, on our streets? Are we doing this in the church? I mean, the church is really the context, of course, that James is thinking of when he writes this. And so let's just read this now. Um, it's in James 3, starting in verse 13, just reading to the end of the chapter there. Follow along. This is what he says. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from, uh, down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and Selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Father, we bring ourselves before you and, and even in the first couple of minutes here of, of us, you know, kind of getting into this scripture, I'm sure there are many of us who can kind of point to at least one relationship in our lives that uh, lack this peace that uh, your word talks about. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully today in our minds, in our hearts. Lord, if we are part of the problem, if we are the problem in whatever scenario we find ourselves in, Lord, I pray that we would confess. Lord, I pray uh, that we would repent of these things, bring these things uh, before you and, and seek reconciliation with these, with these people, these, these ones that are made in your image. Lord, I pray that whether it's in our marriages, our homes, in our different relationships that we have, certainly in our church, Lord, I pray that you would be building uh, building us strong in this, Lord. Lord, it doesn't take much to look out into the world and see that relationships are fracture everywhere. Relationships are marked by chaos and marked by extreme difficulty and people slandering each other and hating on each other. And Lord, I pray that our church would be different. Lord, I pray that this would be a safe haven, a place where there is grace and truth expressed. Lord, I pray that there would be deep peace as we grow in wisdom here, Lord. Would you give us wisdom? Lord, not so that we could be, you know, just feel more comfortable or not so that we could pat ourselves on the back about how wise we are, Lord. That's not it at all, as we're gonna see. But Lord, so that you would be glorified, you would be honored so that we would be able to point to you and the work that you are doing here in us. And so God, help us, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, three, uh, three points here uh, this morning. Uh, here's the first one. True wisdom brings 
peace to my relationships. First thing, as I demonstrate good works in a spirit of humility. Now take a look at verse 13 with me here. James just says, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? All right, so he just straight up asked the question. He's like, are, are, are you wise? Right, you know, do we have any wise people here? Now you might be thinking, well, how, how can you tell? It's easy for me to say yes, but how can you actually tell? Well, he provides the answer here. He says this in the first verse. He says, by his good conduct. Okay, his good conduct, meaning authentically moral you know, behavior and action. He's talking about good works here. He says, by his good conduct, let him show, reveal his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, we're no strangers to this. You know, uh, important to James, really, all along through this letter, is that if you and I, if we're going to claim to be Christ followers, uh, we better genuinely act like it, right? If we say we're Christians, but we actually act the opposite, it suggests that we're not truly saved, right? And so James, we know this, he, he just kind of goes after it, right? He's a real... He's a real no-nonsense kind of guy. He's a, real, he's a real straight shooter, right? He's just like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. If you're going to say this, you're going to claim this, are you actually doing it, right? He says, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. It is not okay, it is not even good to just, you know, sit under teaching or read the Bible if we're not actually living it out. He says, just a couple weeks ago, we looked at faith without works is dead. Right? If your faith isn't developing works that are consistent with your faith claim, uh, you don't have faith. You have a dead faith. And so he says this type of thing over and over. And here again, he, he continues down this, down this line here when he asks, who is wise and understanding among you? He says, let him show it, right? Let, let him prove, let him demonstrate his works in the, in the meekness of, of wisdom. Now, now meekness there, it, it just literally means humility. Okay, that, that, that's the word that, that, that he's stressing, okay? So, so you prove to be truly wise as you demonstrate good works of wisdom in a spirit of humility, right? That, that's it. The thing is, though, Hey, a lot of people, and we've discussed this a little bit over, over time, but a lot of people would define wisdom in, in kind of a, like a surfacey, kind of incomplete type way, right? And many times when we think about wisdom, what, what tends to come to mind for us is we define wisdom as, as intellectual prowess, right? Like, like having a, a high IQ, right? Somebody who, you know, has strong problem-solving abilities, Right? That, that, that person's wise because you know, they're smart and they, they give good answers in small group or, or, or they seem to know what to do in, in tricky situations. And now, while those things are you know, certainly vital components of, of wisdom, they don't quite tell the whole story. And just a couple summers ago, actually, we did a a short series in the book of, of Proverbs, which is all about wisdom. And, and, and we stress during that time that, that wisdom is not just knowledge. It's not. It's, it's actually knowledge applied. Right? That's what it is. Meaning that, that wisdom isn't merely about you know, accumulating you know, more information and more know-how and more, more facts. It's, it's about actually 
implementing the, the knowledge that we do have uh, into our lives. Right? That, that, that's what it is. It's, it's putting into practice what I know. That's, that's true wisdom. Right? Like if a, if a child knows that it's important to like look both ways before you know, crossing the street, all right, they become wise only when they actually look both ways before crossing the street. Right? Does that make sense? Right? You've got to put your knowledge into action. Then it's wisdom. Okay, hopefully that's clear. I mean, Proverbs 2, verse 20, when describing what wisdom looks like in a person's life, it says this. It says, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Okay, so you won't just, you won't just know the way of the good or, or the paths of the righteous. You'll actually walk that way, right? You'll, you'll keep to those paths. Okay, likewise here, James is saying that if you're wise, you'll show it. Right, you'll show it, and namely through your works of, of humble wisdom. Okay, so for yourself, as you, as you kind of assess whether or not you have this, this true wisdom, this wisdom from above, James calls it, you know, and, and you think about that in the context of your various relationships, okay, you'll know that you're legitimately wise if you're actually demonstrating good works towards others in a spirit of humility. Okay, so listen, are you, are you wise and understanding in that you, you know, reveal a heart of humble service to others, knowing that Christ came to humbly serve you? You know, where, where the gospel has so gripped your heart in such a way that it, you know, you see the humility of Christ and you, you know, you think about Philippians chapter two and you're like, that, that, that's the humility I want to express, you know, in my, you know, good works, in my godly action, specifically in this case, through wisdom. You know, when, when someone seeks you out for wisdom and, and counsel in your life, do you give them biblical guidance that you're actually following yourself? Right? Do you do that? As you experience friction, let's say, in, in your relationships, again, you can't avoid all of it, have you learned to you know, kind of properly handle yourself in such a way where you're able to express a growing meekness or humility as the, you know, the temperature of those, uh, of, of those conflicts starts to rise, right? As, it, as, it, as the intensity of that starts to get ratcheted up, are you able to handle yourself in, in, in a godly, humble, wise way? Or do you, do you tend to let your flesh take over? And do you, you know, use the biblical knowledge that you've acquired as a weapon to deliver truth harshly and angrily or, or arrogantly. Right? Never a struggle in marriage at all, right? right you know, what, about, you know, what about this verse? Right? And you come at them, right? Is that what we're doing? As we do that, and again, that, that kind of that harsh, angry, arrogant kind of mentality, it just, it just destroys peace, doesn't it? Between you and that, and that other person. If that's you, then... Really, I mean, I mean, the hard word here is that we have to consider that maybe we're just not as humble or as, as wise as we thought, right? There's, there's work to be done there, right? It's, it's a work of, of repentance that's needed. 
right? And, and that's really our go-to move here. As you're, as you're kind of thinking about even your last week and, and the words that you expressed and, and, and your action, as you're thinking about the wisdom and, and the humility or lack thereof in those, in those circumstances and situations, really just bring that to God. Just say, listen, that, 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 I got work to do here, Lord. Would you transform me? Would you make me new? Would you forgive me of my sin? Listen, I would even challenge you, encourage you, go talk to the person and, and, and repent before them. Ask for their forgiveness in all of this. Right? You'll notice that's always the go-to move. When we sense weakness, we, just, we, we throw ourselves at the foot of the cross. Lord, would you continue to transform me and make me new? It's not, trying to, it's not about trying to improve yourself and make yourself more wise. It's about the Lord doing that work in you by grace. Let's keep going here. Second thing. True wisdom brings peace to my relationships rather than relational chaos generated by pride. Verse 14, we start to see this. Look what he says. He says, but, okay, but if you have bitter jealousy, some translations there say envy. That's a good word too. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, notice where the problem resides there. It's always a heart problem, right? If you have this residing in your hearts, do not boast, he says. Boasting means what we think it means. It means to take pride in, right? To, to, to put too much you know, overconfidence in. He says, do not be boast and be false to the truth. Okay? The idea that James is getting at is, Again, you can't claim to possess true, biblical, godly wisdom, which again has humility baked right into its, its DNA, if you're actually you know, expressing and displaying the opposite of humility, which of course is, is pride. Right? It, it's, it's bitter jealousy, as he says, bitter jealousy towards others' abilities. Do you have that going on? Maybe it's selfish ambition in the sense that you just want to elevate yourself over that person and you want to, you know, look good. Maybe for you, it's boasting, right? We're just using the words right out of the text here. Boasting about, you know, how wise you are, how much knowledge you've accumulated. James says, listen, if you're boasting about any of this stuff, if you've got this going on, you're, you're being false to the truth. This is, a, this is a lie. You're not wise at all. Not truly. If anything, it's, a, it's actually a false wisdom. And so what, what James is doing here is actually showing us if you want to look at it this way, two kinds, of, two kinds of wisdom in this passage. True wisdom versus false wisdom. That false wisdom there, he's, he's just describing in, in these verses that we're looking at here, and he continues in verse 15. Take a look. He says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, so from God, but is earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. Now, you've you got to appreciate just the punchiness of James and his language, right? right? He's so strong in that. He's like, I'm not going to like soft pedal this for you. I'm just going to like straight up level you with it here, right? It's, it's strong, right? And he's saying like, if you're, if you're wisdom, so to speak, now, now understand, if you've got the NIV translation in front of you, it actually puts quotations around, around that word wisdom there in their arrangement of that sentence. If your wisdom reeks of you know, pride and is more about, you know, puffing yourself up and how great you feel about yourself. And it's about, you know, tearing other people down. Perhaps this is evident in obvious and, and in outward ways, or maybe this is just kind of going on inwardly inside you where your heart and your mind and, and in that you've got that, you know, that inner dialogue kind of going on with yourself. Have you ever had this before? Where you're like, man, I'm, I'm far more knowledgeable 
uh, than that guy. Right? I, I, I know way more than, than he does. My intellect is superior to, to hers. Right? And, and on the surface, though, you got the mask on. Right? And it's, it's the painted on smile and everything's good and God bless you, brother. It's all of that. But inside, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're churning, right? And you can't stand that person maybe even. If, if, that, if that's the attitude behind, you know, the, the wisdom that you possess, it's straight up not from above. It, it's, it's not from God. It's stop, stop labeling it that way. Again, notice how how James, in the language that he used here, he just kind of gets progressively more intense as he uses those three words. He says, it's, it's, it's not from above. If it's, if it's not from above, what you've got going on is it's earthly, right? It's, it's of this world. It's not from, from the Lord. And, and then he, again, he kind of strengthens it. It's, it's unspiritual. Stop, stop thinking you're super spiritual with the, the knowledge that, that you have when it's really just connected to pride and, and all of that. And, and then he goes even further. He says, it's actually demonic. It's, it's, from, it's from Satan. It's similar to what we looked at last week in verse six when, when he says there, that if we don't watch our mouths, our tongues are set on fire by hell. Right? Do not be deceived into thinking that just because You've been a Christian for a long time because you've got an impressive bookshelf at home or you've been given certain smarts or abilities or gifts from God and maybe it's that you're good with words and people you know, kind of seek your advice and your opinions and maybe even somewhat look up to you. Don't assume that therefore you're a picture of true godly wisdom. You might actually be the opposite. I may be thinking, well, okay, how do I know? How, how, do I, how do I know this? How can I tell? Okay, well, we're going to go through these things. We've got eight signs here that I have false wisdom. Okay, eight signs that the wisdom I have is not godly, it's not biblical, it's actually, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Again, these things aren't outwardly obvious necessarily. You may be kind of, hiding these things and pressing these things down. And it may not be something that's obvious to, to other people. It might be, might be more than you realize it is, but they can definitely be swirling around in our hearts and, and in our minds and occupying our thoughts. And, and, and we're expressing them under the pretense of that being true wisdom. All right, so what's the first sign? We're gonna go pretty quickly through this. You can jot these down or snap a picture of the screen with your phone if you want. Here's the first one. I play the comparison game. Right, false wisdom, if that's what you've got, you play the comparison game. I think that kind of comes naturally out of the idea of bitter jealousy that we see right there in the text. Right? And maybe if that's for you, you, you know, as someone talks in small group, you're kind of you're assessing them and you're assessing their, their wisdom and you're assessing what they know and really you're assessing yourself compared to them. And you're constantly saying, well, okay, I, I think I'm a, I'm a little above them because I seem to know more. I've been in the game a little bit longer or you know, they're above me and so now I'm... I'm below them, and, and, but for you, there's like this desire, this, this sinful kind of ambition, selfish ambition, desire to, to want to one-up them, right? And that's what happens in the comparison game there. That's, that's false wisdom. It's not godly wisdom. Here's the second one. sign that I have false wisdom. I'm insecure when God uses others. Right? When you see someone grow in the church, 
You see the Lord use somebody powerfully. How, how does that make you feel instinctive, instinctively? Are you like, man, that's amazing. Right? I've heard their story and it's just so amazing to see what the Lord has done in their life and how they've, he's poured grace out on them and they, you know, they, they had some dark days and now look, 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 look what God's done. This is amazing. Or, or when you see the Lord use somebody in your life, do you automatically feel insecure about all of that? And you're, you know, you kind of look down on them and, you know, I want to be the wise one. And I wish it was me that said that clever line in, in that conversation. Right? You can play the comparison game. You can be insecure when the Lord uses others. The third one, sign that I've had false wisdom. I've mastered the humble brag. Right? People do this sometimes. And it's where you kind of carefully, you've learned how to do it, but you kind of carefully you know, somewhat subtly, but it's there coming from your heart, kind of show off just how wise you really are, right? Talking about it and yeah, you know, just people, people often come and talk to me and they just want to, they just always ask me to kind of help them work through their issues. You know, glory to God though, right? It's, it's, the, it's the humble brag, right? And really we do it because we, we want to impress people we want people to think that we're wise. We want people to think that we're, that we're sharp and that we're godly and all. That's not true wisdom. You see that? It, it's a false wisdom. Fourth sign that I have false wisdom, I desire power, prestige, glory, and just to look good. Again, there's some connection between all of these here, certainly, and trying to pull them apart a little bit. But again, this is selfish ambition that James talks about. Right? I, I, I'm... I try to show off how wise I am because I just want, I want positions of power, right? I want to be in a place where people respect me. I want to be in positions of, of leadership. And so I'm going to position myself, you know, a, a certain way and, and say the right thing to the right people and show my wisdom so that, you know, so that they, you know, give me glory. So they make me feel good about myself so that people respect me so that I look good to them. It's selfish. It's not true wisdom. Fifth one, sign I have false wisdom is I just can't turn off that critical spirit. I can't turn it off. Some of us are kind of wired this way, right? And you know, you walk into a room and you spot like everything that's wrong, right? And, and it served you really well, maybe in, in business or in, in the workforce. And, and you just have that critical eye and it can be so good. It can be so helpful and, and it can be great. I've noticed though that, you know, in, when it comes to, you know, in the church, that, that critical spirit is really hard for people to rein in. It's, it's re people, people have a hard time growing in this area. People that can't turn off the critical spirit are mostly, constantly seeing the negative in things. And they're just compelled because they, they don't have the maturity, really, to, they got to critique. Right? I got to tell somebody I'm not happy about this. I've got to tell somebody this isn't good. And they've done that to you. And what they do is they kind of carry themselves as, as people who have all the answers, right? I, I know a thing or two. I, I've got the solutions here, but it just lacks humility, right? And there's, there's no true godly wisdom in that. It's false. Sixth one here, I tend to push people away, right? When you've got false wisdom, people ultimately begin to distance themselves from you. And perhaps it's because it's, you're, you're, you're kind of boasting. Maybe it's the more subtle, humble brag style of things, but 
they just kind of realize this guy thinks he's all that. He's got a fat head, right? Why would I want to, you know, connect with that? Why would I, why would I want to build a relationship there? They, they just come across as a know-it-all all the time with the things that they know, but are they even living it? Like, right? And so you end up pushing people away intentionally or unintentionally if you have false wisdom. Seventh one, these are the last three are really connected here, but I have few, if any, close relationships. And if we have true wisdom, we're looking to build peace with people and and deep relationships and encourage one another and grow in Christ together and, and, and we desire a strength in our community there. So if you claim to be wise, but you have few, if any, relationships, guess what? You're not that wise. You're not. Because in your wisdom that you think you have, you've somewhat maybe become like an elitist. And, you know, I'm, I don't need these people. They're, they're, they're a little or sometimes a lot beneath me. And so you carry yourself as hot stuff, thinking that you know it all again, but you don't have any real close relationships. Last thing here, I leave a trail of damaged relationships behind me. Right? And this is often because, you know, people who, again, it's, like I said, it's all connected to all eight, feet, eight of these things are kind of connected to each other. But sometimes it's, you know, a critical spirit and, and kind of a, a boasting and you push people away and, and, and over time there just develops this, this pattern of, of damaged relationships. There's just bodies strewn about all behind you and you keep, you know, moving forward. It's their problem. It's their fault. They couldn't hack it. No, listen, you're harsh, man. You're actually, you're, you're cruel. You think you're wise, but you're really a weapon. And you're unhelpful and it's, it's ungodly. And these types of things describe the kind of, again, quote-unquote wisdom that I have, then it's coming from a place of pride. Right, it is. And, and inevitably, it, it just generates relational chaos in, in all of my relationships all around me. I mean, take a look at verse or 16 here. He says this, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, so again, he reiterates those two things that he just used in verse 15. He says, where they exist under the, the guise of true wisdom, he says, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That's, that's what is produced if you've got false wisdom. You, you can't hide that. You can't pretend that that's not gonna happen, right? Every, be disorder. All kinds of issues. I think sometimes, though, we believe that, you know, if we've got some of that, you know, pride-driven, you know, kind of false wisdom brewing in our hearts, you know, maybe you're, you start to sense that and you know that, it's, that, it, that it's, not, it's not great. Sometimes, though, we think we can control it. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. I've, I've got other things that I need to work on or other people have it worse than I do. And, and so we think that we can control this or, or manage it and kind of keep it hidden maybe. This isn't going to affect me. It's certainly not going to affect any other person. Listen, that's, that's so foolish. You, you can't control pride in this area any more than you control it in any other area. Who we actually are always leaks out of us at some point. Probably more often than we realize. If we're truly wise people, our relationships, again, will be, will be marked by peace, right? And we've got false wisdom going on, though. 
be disorder and, again, every vile practice, chaos, right? Relational discord, conflict, problems, right, in, in our families. I mean, I won't get people's, people to raise their hands, but <laughs> you know, how many of us have you know, complicated family relationships because of this kind of thing? Probably all of us. The church, right? Chaos kills churches. I've seen it happen. Some of you have seen it happen as well. Christ is committed to the holiness and the health and the vitality of the church. Are we committed to that? Listen, as I kind of preach this passage here, I do so because it just happens to be next up, right? We you know, we believe in, in, you know, for the most part, our steady diet is just, you know, picking a, a, a book of the Bible and just and preaching through it, you know, verse by verse. And, 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 and we do that so that we, we kind of get a, an idea over time of the entire counsel of, of God's word, right? We want to know what he says. We don't want to skip over areas that are challenging and, and tricky and, and all of that. I mean, we do some other kinds of series as well that are a little bit more topical because those can be helpful, but those are more rare than this. Now, I, I just happen to be preaching a passage about this, but I can only imagine that some people are like, oh man, he's thinking about something, somebody right now. Right? Someone's causing chaos, and maybe this is just a passive-aggressive way of using God's word as a weapon to slay somebody. That's not it. Actually, I would honestly say that I think as... Our church, when I think about our church, I, I think we got a, a, a pretty thing, a pretty good thing kind of going on here. Pretty good thing happening in, in terms of the health of our relationships and, and in general and, and, and the culture that we're trying to build here. Now, we're, we're sinful people, right? So it's not perfect. No one's saying that. And I, and I believe there's, there's work to be done and growing in, in love for each other and the peace that we want to see exist throughout all of us here and the depth of all of that and the heart for each other. We want to we wanna grow in all of that. I think, I think we're, we're doing well. I think it's important that you hear that from your pastor. I'm not like, these are the worst people ever and they just need to be hammered, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I also know that Things can really get out of hand in this area that we're talking about here if we're not diligent and we're not careful. So listen, even if things are you know, pretty good or even great today, in a week or two, in a month, in a couple of years, it could be a tire fire, right? If we're not careful, if we you know, start to get kind of you know, a little bit proud of how great we're doing, listen, that's a recipe for you know, a sinking ship. That's a recipe for, for, for problems. You know, I, I believe that God's word is timely, even though, you know, this specific message was put on the preaching calendar, you know, a long time ago. I would imagine that there are some people here today that need to hear this, right? Because you've got this, this boasting, this, this false pride kind of swirling under the surface. And maybe it's even kind of bubbling up in a way that, listen, it's, it's only going to cause relational chaos for, for you and, and the rest of us here. So if this is you, allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit, again, to lead you to repentance and, and deeper, committed, focused prayer about these things and, and, and more humility. We're like, I got to bring this to the Lord, right? This is, this is not okay that I'm sensing this going on in my heart and I need to bring this before him because I don't want to do damage to the community that God is building here, right? By grace, don't allow 
Don't allow your pride to, to just generate problems in our church. Because God is, is working to create the exact opposite of that. Right? He's working to, to generate peace among us. So again, we, we have to take, we must take these things so, so seriously. Now let's keep going here. Last thing. True wisdom brings peace to my relationships, leading to a harmonious and flourishing community. And okay, so again, he's just kind of finished describing what false wisdom looks like, and now he gets into what true wisdom really looks like and what it does, what it accomplishes, the, the kind of benefits and value uh, that it has on, on a church. And our, our community, we're, of course, applying it, applying it to us here. Verse 17, look, he says, but, but the wisdom from above, so again, from God, again, he's talking about true wisdom, is first pure, right? It's innocent, it's, it's blameless, Okay, so he says first pure, then, then peaceable, which is, again, kind of the theme throughout this here. It's, it's, it's peace-loving. If you're truly wise, you will, you will love, love peace. True wisdom, wisdom from above, is, is gentle, he says. Right? It's not harsh. You're not trying to win an argument. You're trying, not trying to look better and, and, and put somebody down and show how smart and wise you are. No, you're gentle. That's what true wisdom creates. True wisdom is, is open to reason, he says, where you, you know, you're, you're willing to defer in conversations and you want to hear the person out and, and you're even submissive to them in the ways that you can be. Wisdom that's from above, is, he says, is full of mercy, right? Mercy and good fruits. It says that it's impartial, he talked about that a lot, actually, in the first 13 verses of chapter 2. It's talking about no favoritism. If you, if, you, if you show favoritism, you like certain people over and above another person or, or, or certain people, you're, you're not wise. Right? There, it's impartial. It says there that it's sincere. It, it, it's real. You're not, you're not faking it. You're not putting on a show. It's not, it's not hypocritical. People with true wisdom from above are are stable in their character. They're not flip-flopping all over the place. They're not showing themselves to be, you know, wise and they, they kind of look godly to, to one person, but to another person, they're, you know, they're kind of flaky or, or they're, they're sinful and they're all over the place. And no, you're sincere. But there's a consistency in your, in your character. You're trustworthy. Each of these words describe what a wise person's relationships will be characterized. If, if you put these, you know, this all together, you know, what you really see here is that as we demonstrate true works of wisdom, it creates harmonious relationships with each other. I mean, I, I think that's fairly, fairly straightforward. And I don't know about you, but like, I want that so badly for us. Right? I, I would love us to be a church that is just so healthy. People walk in and like, wow, there's something amazing that's going on here. And there's a, there's a healthy community here. Man, I want that. Now verse 18, final verse, he says, and a harvest, okay, so think crop, okay, crops, fruits, right? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay, so this is literally to say here that those who are peacemakers will yield a, a, a crop of abundant righteousness. 
That's pretty cool, right? Where, where our community is, is not only harmonious and that we love each other well, but also flourishes in greater and greater holiness and righteousness, which just means God gets more and more glory through us. Okay, sign me up for that. Now listen, though. I understand that some of us here have been through difficult church situations before, right? And, and you've seen the, the ugly side of how Christians behave, how Christians treat each other, and that can infect a, a church culture and cause uh, major problems. Okay? Or perhaps uh, you've even caused some of that ugliness yourself. And through that experience, kind of regardless of what your involvement might be, perhaps you've even lost hope as to this harmonious, flourishing community uh, even being possible at all. Right? For you, you've gotten kind of jaded through all of it. And you're like, I've been to a few churches in my day and they all seem to be the same and they all seem to be a problem here. And you're like, I, honestly, I just want to go to a church where it's like, it resembles something like a little less than World War II. Like I'd be real happy if, if it was just that. Maybe that's more where your head is at here today. But listen, harmonious, flourishing, peaceful, godly wisdom. That is what God is working to create here. He is. I love the promise of God that he will build his church. He will do it. He builds true wisdom in, into each of us. And as he does that, that will, as his spirit works, as he moves by grace, that will foster peaceful, God-honoring relationships. Will you, will you get on board with that? I guess is a really good question. Are you willing to commit to that? Are you willing to put the hard work into that? Are you willing to humble yourself in that? I read somewhere just a short time ago that everyone wants a healthy, harmonious, peaceful church until we're held accountable for it. We all want to grow in wisdom. We all want our small groups to be the best. But as soon as we're kind of held to a high standard of humbling ourselves and, and, and putting in the hard work and, and, and working through our sin and being gracious with others who, who sin against us, then we're like, no, I'm out. Right, so I think there's a strong challenge here to us. Are we willing to submit ourselves before God and, and even the fear that you might have in all of that? Especially if you just come out of a, of a bad situation. You're like, I don't know if I can trust and I don't know if, if this whole kind of thing is, is even possible, Pastor. It takes a lot of prayer, doesn't it? It takes a lot of the Lord. It takes a lot of crying out to him for all of this. But this is absolutely what he wants to build here. I believe that's what he is doing so we're going to continue to, to work towards as a church. We invite you to join us in that. It's not just a, an elder board or pastors or a staff or certain leaders that, that make that happen. It's literally everybody in a chair here. We all work in this together.
So will we do it? Will we get on board? Will we let God do it in us and through us?